welcome to Chess Talk, episode 268. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'll have to raise that. It's been a week. I know. Uh, we're back, just the two of us, with uh, some Chloe under the table. You'll hear from her later. Maybe. I am playing chess against a robot. I forgot to mention, but last week with Alex on, he did beat me. Oh. We were just too into it, so I didn't want to interrupt and mess up the flow. You just of didn't the... want people to know the truth. I. Why would I tell him now? I'm not sus. You're sus. Did you vent? Uh, so we're going to talk about Du Bois some more. Naturally, we watched The Devil All the Time, and we definitely forgot to mention it last week, but the Emmys happened, and we did watch it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to in skim it. our defense we recorded before the emmys aired yes yeah so. yeah like we recorded just... that sunday and then just forgot to even mention that it was happening but it happened yeah it did and we got thoughts anything you wanted to bring up from past week anything mm-hmm. fun you're doing i know you started majora's mask i did enjoying it yeah it... it's the same game i played when i was a kid i so. know but <laughs> you're an adult now so is it, it's great. Is it holding up to Ocarina? I haven't gotten too far into it. Okay. So I was just curious. I think Ocarina of Time lends itself more to being very straightforward, whereas Majora's Mask, I feel like, at least my own thoughts, is it's hard to do it without a guide because there are specific times and places that things happen. Yeah, and some people would argue that that makes the game more fun oh i do think it's more fun it's just i can see like how you can miss a lot of things yeah if you you didn't know about them you could feel like you beat the game and it's like oh you only saw like 30 percent of it yeah yeah like there are some masks that you really only use like once or twice that i can remember even i would say there's more masks that you don't even need to use ever yeah you just you get them to get them yeah it's still fun to have them. Yeah, because that's how you experience the game. Mm-hmm. What I think I remember, at least, is in this 3DS version, it seems a lot more like user-friendly, kind of not spoon-feeding it to you, but in the N64 version, you didn't get this notebook that wrote down everything for you. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't remember the code that the bombers gave you to get into their hideout, like, you got to do that task over and over again, unless you write it down. Right, <laughs> yeah. You will not get it, won't get written down for you. And, I, and the schedule of everyone and when they do certain things, you have to just figure that out and remember it. Well, yeah, but like you could just have a physical notebook. You could. Yeah. But which I think is what they kind of intended. Mm-hmm. It's like they made it all a routine. So it's like, okay, people can figure out the times and stuff and they can mm-hmm. like journal it themselves and go from there. I'm saying I like that version better because. It's less spoon-fed to you. Oh, so you want harder games? Just ones where you can put the puzzle together yourself and not them telling you, hey, these things happen at these times. Maybe you should remember that. Like, you I just think have to kind of figure it out. I think it's funny that you have those thoughts when you're running through the game using a guide to make sure you don't miss anything. Well, because I've already <laughs> played the game and beaten it as a kid. Now it's like, well, I want to see, like what i've missed or if there was an easier way i could have done it when i was a kid which probably because i'm a fucking kid so i mean does it matter that the 3ds version is different in that aspect no but i am nostalgic yeah for 
the correct way spending hours trying to remember how to do the like postman quest and delivering the love letters because i couldn't remember what time they appeared in what place you're an adult now you don't have time for that no i don't you've also been trying to find some among us-esque game right i haven't spent too much time no I think I looked like once and I found one, but it was still like you have to play with real people. And yes. I don't I don't like playing games with people. Yeah. I'm I didn't know if it was clear that I'm not a very like social or likable person. You're likable. To you. <laughs> but I just don't like talking to people or I just like playing solo games. So I want a game like Among Us where I can just figure out the mystery on my own and I don't want it to be clue cuz that's just that's the greatest murder mystery ever. I do ever. like Clue, but it's I not know. what I want. Picky, picky. Fuck <laughs> I finished some more books. Mm-hmm. Since we last recorded, I finished the book version of I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Mm-hmm. I think I read it in like three days or something. I think it was, you started it yesterday. Did I? I think so. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you started I it did. before yes, you I did. got your phone call. Yes, I started it before my shower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good book. Short clearly like 200 pages but it kind of grasps you i'm sure yeah it's just it's the book does a good job of just like kind of stringing you along and like giving you a little like breadcrumbs and stuff and like there's something very clearly wrong with the narrator but it doesn't explicitly say it or make it very known to you so it's like you want to keep turning the page to find Mm -hmm. out what's happening kind of like the movie i would say the movie was less graceful than the book Mm -hmm. which makes sense because in a book you're anticipating a lot of like dialogue and exposition but when it's a movie it's a little harder to swallow just a 30 minute scene of two characters talking in a car yeah and it also helps that the book's dialogue it's just like short quick i feel like that also helps because it's like when you have a couple pages of dialogue like those pages are super easy to get through Mm -hmm. did you like the book though yeah, it was a good book. I think uh, if anyone did watch the movie and did have interest, I would say pick it up. Might as well. Yeah. It, the movie, it just adds to the movie's quality and like it is very closely matched to the book, which I think just, you know, Charlie Kaufman, that seems like kind of his thing. So I, I appreciate the movie for the fact that how close it stuck to the script while also adding things that didn't necessarily change the movie, its theme in any significant way. Mm-hmm. So worth getting. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Yep. Chloe sucked this weekend. She was being such a brat yesterday. But it's fine. Um, do you want to talk about the Emmys first? Yeah. Get out of the way? Yeah. Because it started with all the like the primetime Emmys. I, I guess I'll mention like the opening monologue. I think it was a funny little ruse where they had like previous years clips of, of the like audience. of the audience packed house laughing at Jimmy Kimmel. And then after, I don't know, like five minutes, maybe mm-hmm. it's like he was like wait no of course there's nobody here like well yeah because it did this bit where like it panned to someone laughing and it was himself laughing in the audience and mm-hmm. it was like wait a minute yeah how yeah. are you here and then it, it was... cut to like cutouts of people but jason bateman oh. was sitting with all mm-hmm. the cutouts and stuff so yeah. i think the opening monologue was good yeah it was fun um, i liked did it run over i don't know if it, it actually did ran... okay it barely ran over, Which but what a- frustrates me is they like they significantly shrunk down the clips of 
the actors that are nominated for best acting, which is, I think, a very important part of the Emmys to demonstrate why they were nominated. Because they did it for, I think, comedy. They had clips of them speaking. And then when they got to drama, they were running out of time. So they just showed flashes of them in the scene with no lines and then flash to the next person. Right. Which... I think it's dumb, and there there's a lot of content they can cut from the Emmys to make room for that. Because I'm just shocked that like there was no bits really. Oh no, they they had like the people presenting, like they would do some stupid thing, but it never felt like it was too long that it all added up to be yeah. over. But I guess there are do. some things that just didn't need to be there, like randall park right in the llama or the alpaca. I mean, that was funny. Yeah, but it's like that was funny. that's didn't a funny little bit. But if you just take yeah. it out and just have Jimmy Kimmel literally just mm-hmm. read all the things, like, yeah. I can't imagine too many people would have been upset. Yeah. Or they finally just need to realize they should have a three and a half hour program instead of a three hour program. Give themselves more time, but don't add any content. Just that'll never the regularly happen. scheduled program. That'll Rehearse never happen. the program so that they know. Oh, they do, but they're quicker when they rehearse, so it's fine. Yeah. It's like they rehearse. And then and everyone's like, ah, and they say their acceptance speech here, and they only take 20 seconds, yes. but no one fucking does. Unless you're the fucking Shit's Creek guy, and you oh have to God. speak like 20 times. At the beginning yeah. of the, the Emmys, Damn I was leaving. like, you know, I think I would probably want to check out Shit's Creek. I've heard it's pretty funny. And when they won every single award, I said to myself, at least, there's no way it's that funny. Yeah. Holy shit. I think that having as many Emmys as it got, it's like we're going to watch it and be like, oh, well, this isn't that funny. Yeah. Why did it win that many? I did hear that it takes like a season to kind of find itself, which, you know, I get it. Yeah. A lot of shows do that. Yeah. So I'm going to go into it, eventually watch it with low expectations and hopefully be pleasantly surprised. Because I do like some of the people in it, like, the only person I can remember off the top of my head is Catherine O'Hara. Eugene Levy. I don't really know him Levy. from anything. I, I think he's the American Pie dad or something, right? I've never watched American Pie. It was too dirty. I was a kid. Eugene Levy. What do you do? What are you from? Shit's Creek. Oh, that amazing sh- It he won was- seven Emmys. Yeah. It won all seven of them. Yeah, he was in American Pie. That's right. Definitely in more than just that, but that's yeah, what I know. I hope he's in more than just he's that. He's in Cheaper by the Dozen, too. Oh, well, that's <laughs> fucking How do you not know him? There. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was like the first hour of the show of the Emmys was just Shit's Creek people giving yeah. acceptance speeches. So that was, that got I old. I didn't care. Yeah. Because what else was nominated in comedy that at least I know of? Like The Good Place, I heard the last season of it was phenomenal. Um, I mean, I think there was a decent amount of variety. There was mm-hmm. Good Place, SNL, Insecure, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Brooklyn Nine-Nine had. Oh, yeah. Andre couple, Brower got nominated. A couple nods. I hope before that show ends, he at least wins something. Uh, the Kaminsky Method. Yes. Rami. Blackish. Here, Rami's great. I want to say the great. I think he got nominated for directing. And writing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it mm-hmm. was, to me, it felt like a very stacked and it should have been a very, like, diverse winning pool. No, and Schitt's Creek won every single comedy <sighs> award. Literally everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Every single one. What we do in the shadows also is another big contender. I think what we do in the shadows is a slept on show. I haven't watched all of it. Yeah, but I was like, you haven't even finished it. I haven't finished it, but every episode is so ridiculous. And it's such an original concept, even though it's a remake of a movie. Like, But it just kind of expands on this world. Because, I mean, isn't it... It's not necessarily a remake. It's just kind of like... It just expands a continuation. on Taika Waititi's yeah. movie. Because I think it's like... You can't call it a remake of the same people. Because it's the same concept and same like style, just different actors and... But the same creator. Yeah. So. I, actually, I don't know if he's involved in it heavily. Taika Waititi? Yeah. I'm oh, not I thought sure. he was. I'm not sure if he is. I'm sure he had like gave his blessing and everything, but I don't know. But it's a phenomenal show. It's so original. Mm-hmm. It's good comedy. Yeah, he's a writer. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. He it's... wrote for every episode. Okay. I mean, now that you say that, I can see it. It's got his flavor. Just... Yeah. Damn, Matt Berry's probably one of my favorite like British comedians. No Emmys. Yeah, I was surprised it even got nominated, but like I'll say it now: the Emmys don't mean shit. You like what you like. The Emmys mean nothing. It's just whoever paid more money to get their market. award and market it to the Emmys. That's really all it is. Anyways, but what we do in the shadows, getting a nomination is really cool because to me it feels like just some indie little FX show. That's really funny. Um, yeah, I just wanted to bring up that. I know in the drama series, I it was a little more diverse. I know Succession won a decent amount. Watchmen won a decent amount. Succession, I feel like only won it best won, drama. Which is a big one. Yes, and best actor. Yeah, best writing. Did it? For The Hunt. Oh, Bore on the Floor. Yes. Like yeah. it won, it won. It won a good. It won some good ones. It won big ones. Yeah. Watchmen won best like limited series, mm-hmm. I think. And Drama Regina limited. King won best actress in a limited series. Right, and I want to say they won like a directing. I think so. Episode. Yeah. So I mean, pretty deserved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Outstanding writing, uh, Watchmen got mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outstanding writing for drama series was Succession. So four, because Hunting was directing. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was the writing one for? The finale? Uh, this is not for tears. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's a good episode of TV. Sure is. But then it also won, Watchmen also won supporting actor, but, you Ooh, know. Little Greg Sprinkles. Mrs. America also got some. Ozark, Julie Garner won she again. She won. Ugh, she's, so. she's so good. So I feel like it was mostly succession and watchmen winning but there were some other sprinkles of other shows some which great I think, sprinkles yes <laughs> so it wasn't as boring because it really felt like it was mm-hmm. up in the air so one day kieran culkin will win an emmy one day better call saul will get no anything. you know it won't anything it is i would say that's the that most is, snubbed show yes. ever for awards awards don't mean shit because better call saul has never won anything and it's one of the best shows on TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bob Odenkirk is just a national treasure. Because he's not just funny. Like, he plays emotion so good. Mm-hmm. He drink, he drank his own pee. Yeah. And if that's not going to get him an Emmy. He should win a Nobel Peace Prize for that. No, Nobel Peace Prize. No, no. Next topic. The Emmys aired. I liked the virtual version because there was yeah. less bullshit i like seeing everyone in their home 
Yeah, it was cute. I liked Sarah Snook's homemade Emmy out of aluminum foil. Because mm-hmm. she cute. didn't get it. She didn't care. She was so happy for Julia Garner. She was drunk. I mean, they all were. <laughs> That's why she was happy. Yeah. Everyone was super happy for each other, and it was sweet to see them just in the comfort of their own homes and with their families. Zendaya. Zendaya. I don't mm-hmm. know how to Zendaya. Zendaya. Her winning was super cute. She was so excited, and apparently she was too it's like because it was just unexpected. Because yeah. she won against Sarah Snook and some big, big Laura names. Linney. Yep, like all these big names in serious, serious TV, and she came from Disney, and she won, which is cute. I've never watched her show. I hear it's good though. Yeah, it's on HBO. We can watch it. Anyway, the Emmys aired. The bit with the fire was really funny that was the first one because they didn't plan the fire to not go out as yeah i'm sure they tested it but jennifer aniston looked really fucking scared hell yeah but yeah emmys happen same as any other award shows yeah. like yeah it's kind of fun but at the same time they're all just patting themselves on the back yeah it's just one giant hollywood circle jerk but i care about tv so whatever yeah do you want to talk about the movie first sure okay so we watched the devil all the time starring spoilers tom holland and robert pattinson even though they were only in like the last two-thirds to a third of a movie yeah this so yeah spoilers pretty stacked movie yes um it was odd it's like something was written in their contracts where it's like the big actors couldn't all be in the same parts of the movie at the same time. Because no. it's like the first 30, 40 minutes, it was like, all right, you get Bill Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, Tom Holland. And then after a little bit, you get Robert Pattinson. And then again, spoilers, Robert Pattinson is no longer around. Why? <laughs> and then like uh, Sebastian Stan. You get Sebastian Stan. Stan He's inter- sprinkled. He's Greg sprinkled throughout. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. No, this movie is based off of a book. Yes. And... I'm sure every like movie a trivia buff is like, did you know? But the author of the book was the narrator in this movie. Yes. So that was cool. Put that on movie details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. Did lose you. I I know I said it probably the last time we talked about Robert Pattinson, but I just love him. This is his year. He's doing so good. I mean, he was a repulsive, repulsive character. But he did so good in this movie. God, his first scene, just embarrassing. The grandmother made me so upset. And in such a, like, I don't know. Such a, like, passive-aggressive way to do it. But, like, yes. he doesn't realize it. He's he's delusional. Right. God, so yeah. fucked up. So what's this movie about, Cody? I don't know. <laughs> it, it was a weird movie. It's mm-hmm. like... It just followed this family and these weird, is it choices or is it just like happenstance of like these tragedies happening to them? I think that more so. Like it's happenstance? And yeah, like how it's just they deal with life it. happens and how do you deal with it? Where do you, what do you do? How do you move right. on? And the only time I really kind of had that feeling was towards the end. Like when Tom Holland's character goes back to where his childhood home was, goes back to that prayer log, whatever, mm-hmm. and, you know, buries his dog's bones and puts the gun in there. Like it felt like he was finally just, he was burying his past, coming to terms with, you know, his overly religious 
seeming father who probably did some mental damage to him. Yeah. Coming to terms with everything he's lost and the life that he can't go back to because he did some things that were bad. Just kind of burying it and like, need to need to move on from here. Just gotta, you gotta keep going. Which I think is definitely a very... 60s 70s early america thing i mean yeah they really showed that in the last scene when he was hitchhiking and the radio was playing about you know lbj expanding america's presence in the vietnam war no i don't even mean that i mean like this guy literally just murdered a couple people and he's just like all right gonna go start my life somewhere else yeah (laughs) that's what i'm saying like that's a very time specific thing whereas i feel like now it's way less likely to where you can just move on from murdering four people but he he was hopeful that they would see how bad these people were and maybe he wouldn't get in trouble and that's just the naivety of his character yeah and i feel like that's why i liked the last scene where you know he thinks you know it's all over now i can maybe go live a happier life not you know being carried like having to carry the burdens of my father committing suicide on the day my mom was buried and my sister adopted sister being raped and impregnated and killed herself and i had to go kill the guy that did it to her and then i had to kill these random people that were going to kill me and then i killed the sheriff thinks everything's going to be okay he's really hopeful and then No, he's probably going to get drafted and die. He understands that, though, because he does mention that. Mm -hmm. He does mention, like, knowing that maybe I'll be in the war just like my dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. There are two ways it could go. I don't think he's... he's not completely naive, but he's hopeful. Right. Which I think is surprising from this character. Sad. I, I mean, just based on everything he went through in the movie that's why i think it's surprising i think that goes to show if anything like the strength of tom holland and like his headspace how we can go through all of that and still be like maybe life is gonna you know turn around yeah i can't think many people would feel that way (laughs) no no so he had a pretty shit life yeah yeah i looked up a little bit about the book and in the like reddit discussion thread they talked about some specific details of the book that felt like they kind of glossed over yeah um, which i think would have added to the movie a little more Um, even though the movie was pretty long already there are some details that would have kind of fleshed out some of the characters like um carl and sandy sandy almost said Cindy. so the whole movie i was like Carl looks familiar. He's definitely like a familiar actor. Mm-hmm. His name is Jason Clark. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that rings a bell for you. I looked him up during the movie and said he was the dad in Pet Cemetery. Yes. That's it. Um, His only acting credit. I had like, I freaked out for a second because I was like, oh my God, he was in The Great. But he was in the show Catherine the Great, which is a different show about Catherine, Catherine the Great. It came out last year. I would hope it would be about Catherine the Great. Yes. But he was like a lover for Catherine the Great. That's what he played in that movie. Because I was looking, it's like Catherine the Great, Grigory Potomkin, P O T E M Kin. And I was like, I don't recognize that name. And so I started Googling images of him. And we're like, I don't recognize any of this. And that's when I like went back to his IMDb. And I'm like, oh, different show. <laughs> so that was what was happening while you were doing the first little explanation. Thanks. Of... <laughs> Great. I was just, I was thrown for a loop. I was like, how do I not recognize him from the show that we just watched? Because he wasn't in it. Anyway, so in the book, Carl and Cindy. Sandy. 
whatever fuck her name is. She had yellow teeth. Anyway, Carl and Sandy were serial killers, obviously. But I guess what kind of started everything was Carl was trying, like, kind of pushing Sandy into becoming, like, a an actress. And they were in Hollywood. And he was trying to get her, like, a career. And, you know, he basically set her up on, like, an audition that was, like, a casting couch audition. And yeah. it was really, like, traumatizing for her and for him. But they dealt with it in a really bad way and became serial killers. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that would have added more depth to why they just suddenly started doing this. And it's because, you know, he wanted her to be a star and this is how it turned out. <laughs> I I just think that that's... I think they made the right call in not including that because I feel like that would require so much more time to really get into that issue. Yeah, but I just feel like it makes their whole storyline unnecessary without it. Because I, I know so. it's like, it's supposed to be a story about these different people that have their own shit going on and they all converge kind of at the end. And that didn't feel like it in this movie. Like Harry Melling's character, Dudley Dursley, you know, when he decides to go back to his daughter, it's not like the next day after he kills his wife, like the movie makes it seem. It's like years later, like when Tom Holland is, it's like... Tom Holland meets them a couple days after Harry Melling meets them. I, like, they all meet around the same time. That's probably in the book. In the book, yes. That's yes. what I'm saying. So. It's different in the movie, though. Yes. And that's fine. But the movie just kind of makes these parts of the movie feel unnecessary. I don't think so. To me, it does. Because uh, what I was thinking, because you mentioned it after we watched the movie, it's like this movie is about like people and religion and like how different people interpret religion in different ways and like how they deal with it and stuff and like you have bill skarsgård and his character and his like kind of agnosticism agnostic viewpoint leading to like the extreme end of prayer and belief and then you have robert pattinson where he's got it in his head that he is some godly figure that can do no wrong and then you have Carl and Sandy where Carl has it in his head that he is also some godly figure and like him killing people like that's the most like mm -hmm. religious thing he can do. That's yeah. the most powerful he can ever be mm -hmm. as a man. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where they altered Carl and Sandy's yeah. story to kind of mesh more with the movie. The book is divided into seven parts with different titles that I feel like help elaborate on some of the themes a little more part one is called sacrifice which is obviously the whole beginning with bill skargasgard and trying to sacrifice his Jack. dog and you know and his mother even saying you know i prayed for you to mm. come home safe and now you have to marry helen i think is mm -hmm. her name yep and then part two is called on the hunt is where you're introduced to carl and sandy and you meet you kind of get their background and you meet Sebastian Stan's character. Bo Decker. Yeah. We didn't really get his Lee. That's his first name. Mm -hmm. uh, part three is Orphans and Ghosts, where Arvin and Lenora grow up together. Part four is called Winter, which is all about Carl and Sandy killing people. Mm -hmm. Part five is Preacher. I think this is where you meet Robert Pattinson. Probably. Part six is Serpents. More of killing, obviously. And then part seven is Ohio, which is where everyone meets Right. Because that's where, you know... I imagine Serpents is probably where Tom Holland's character confronts the preacher. 
Mm, no, he does that in part five in Preacher. Okay, so that's so all. So Robert Pattinson's whole part in the movie feels like it's a little bit longer than it was in the book. I, I don't know, because I feel like maybe in the movies in there, what, 30, 40 minutes? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't seem too long. I'm trying it to see. It just felt like such a dominating part of the movie because Robert Pattinson. It's heavy. I'm trying to see. Someone that fit had the biggest, like, pot belly. I feel like it was intentional with that shot. Like, he looked pregnant. <laughs> that had to have been intentional or something. I mean, he definitely, like, was sticking out his stomach. Yeah. That was not natural. Uh, I thought this book would be long. It's only 320 pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not that long. Surprising. What do you feel like the movie was trying to say? Or at least... That's what I... I still don't know. Yeah. I tried to, like, figure that out with you after the fact. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I, I'm not sure. Do you think it's more of just a character study? Or is it just, here's the story this guy wanted to tell? I don't know. It's hard to really say. It's... I don't know if it's, like, a character study or just, like... He wanted to put himself in this world, I guess. Like, he thought of this family and tragedy mm-hmm. and, like, how would these characters interact? And th- I don't I don't know. I would hope that if that's what he was trying to do, that he at least had some kind of experience with these themes. And at the very least, growing up in the Bible Belt, where these attitudes and thought processes were very prevalent. Because if he didn't, then... I don't think that's a good way to write a story if you can't even, like, relate to it. But I feel like he did a good job of portraying yeah. those thoughts that he at least has to have some experience with it. Right. So I don't know. Because you can't just be Cody, who isn't a religious person, didn't grow up religious, never been to fucking Ohio that I know of, or West Virginia, and say that you can totally understand the plight of small town christians so i don't think you could do that donald ray pollock grew up in knockham stiff ohio really and quit high school at 17 to work in a meat packing plant he then spent 32 years employed as a laborer at the mead paper corporation so these are places he grew up yes and like i'm sure all this stuff didn't happen to like a family but like Mm -hmm. these individual things he's probably like Something similar is these tragedies happened where he grew up. He's probably been exposed to fundamentalist Christianity his whole life and seen the hypocrisy of it and wanting to maybe dramatize it a bit. Right. In a very heartbreaking but realistic way. And I mean, it doesn't shock me thinking that, like, in these small towns, there's a scandal where Preacher knocked up a girl and she killed herself. Or, you know, she was shushed away as this whore bastard mother yeah so it's probably more common than we can fathom because we're not small town folk we don't live in knock stiff no we're city folk definitely felt like a coen brothers tarantino movie i would say more coen brothers than tarantino we said this and i specifically draw like connections to pulp fiction where it's all these like separate stories that yeah. have some convergence and some like meaning. I know Coen Brothers also does that, mm-hmm. like with Fargo. That's yeah. another like very similar thing. So it's, mm-hmm. but you know. Yeah, I still feel like. I I feel like the soundtrack makes you think more like Coen Brothers. I just feel like the whole style and. It's just like quasi western. 
I just feel like it didn't have enough comedy behind it to make me feel like a Tarantino-esque film. Because I, I feel think- like Tarantino's got tackles very serious subjects and very dark, like, content, but enough comedy behind it to make it very distinctly him. Whereas Coen Brothers, you know, they have moments of comedy, which I think are great. But when they are doing something dark, it's dark. And this felt more dark than yeah funny. Yeah, I mean... It had its moments where we chuckled, I think, but... It's a dark movie, and, you know, we've talked about it a bit, and I think it's, you know, it's literally in the title, The Devil All the Time. It's just some, like, thought piece on religious hypocrisy. Because he's fighting the devil all the time. Yes. It's everywhere. Yep. So, out of what are we going to rate it? Ten jars of spiders? No, fuck that. I, ten sharp screwdrivers. I was gonna say, I feel like there that is probably one of the lighter things that we could pick out of this movie. Out of ten sharp screwdrivers. Out of ten Cadillacs. Is that, that was, what he drove? Yeah, pretty sure. Dumb. Sharp screwdrivers. Great. Uh what do you think? Um I would say six and a half seven at the most. Probably six and a half. Oh yeah, I was thinking somewhere. Either a six or a seven. Yeah. It's I, not amazing. Maybe I'd watch it once again, but... I would be more inclined to read the book again. Yeah. Like, read the book, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. probably not watch it yeah. again. I think one of the things making it more positive is definitely the acting. Like, I think this is just a really good demonstration of the range of Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson. Yeah. That Tom Holland is more than Spider-Man. Robert Pattinson is actually a good actor. But we've Sorry. known that. It's just Some another... people haven't because they're still hung up on Twilight. It's another... He just, he got his money and now he can do whatever he wants. Movie. Mm-hmm. We did it. Yeah. Uh, on to our last topic. I'm going to lose against the robot, by the way. Damn. I haven't lost yet, but boy, am I gonna. Uh, boys. Season two, episode six. Spoilers. Yeah. The boys. This was uh, another rough one. It started off with some good murder sex. I just really liked that there was an interview of Homelander and Stormfront and Butcher and Kimiko, who really never have scenes together, were watching it together, and they both just had this like look of understanding, and Butcher says what everyone else is already knowing, that they're fucking... <laughs> Uh-huh. I like that scene because they don't ever really interact. Uh-huh. And it was the best way for them to interact. Yeah, I know. It's like this bullshit. Pretty. It's such a. It's the worst power couple. Why? Is it because Stormfront's a literal Nazi? That was interesting to learn um, that, like, she grew up with these ideas and is like had them fester for a hundred years essentially it's not just like modern day racism it's like i was born in germany Mm -hmm. and was friends with hitler and goebbels and yeah fuck okay i think it's a very very bold thing to do right now in television with our culture and everything mm-hmm. and i think it is a good choice mm-hmm. i think if you try and brush past history and not show it out of fear that does more harm than good and i think it's in this medium in this light it's okay to remind us like yeah we're shit mm-hmm. <laughs> humans are shit and 
you're not good if you repeat it. It's like the biggest fuck you to Holocaust deniers and neo-Nazis than pro-America education. Yeah. Like, no, this shit happened. Mm-hmm. And it's bad. Right. And Vod is propping one of them up. That's why I am so confused about Stan Edgar and his role in Stormfronts. Like, he must know about this. Yeah. He has to. So why is he bringing her into it? Because... Is it are you asking because he is a person of color? Yes. Yeah. And like he That's must... what I don't know either. He must know that like her main goal is to like have supers make everywhere Nazi <laughs> owned, I mm-hmm. guess. Like in Stormfront's perfect world, he wouldn't exist or have the position of power at so the very least. I wonder if he has something on her if he knows a way to defeat her if he thinks black noir can take care of her like that's that's what i'm hoping we find out by the end of the season yeah because i want to know what his buy-in is to this yeah because he's not dumb i know i've said like homelander can't survive this season at this one i'm like homelander and stormfront can't survive this season there's no way (laughs) but i feel like the storyline that stormfront is now setting up is homelander has to survive this season because he is going to be the leader of their Aryan army. Right. It's just, I don't We know. don't want him to because he's too far gone. But I think the point is, like, this season he's going to spend his whole time getting worse. And as viewers, we're going to think, okay, he's, he's going to die. He can't, he can't keep going like this. People just will justify it. Yeah. So I think that's... I hope that's where they're going with it. Not because I like Homelander as a character, but... Or the actor even, just I think it's very true to reality. Yeah. Where, you know, us sensible people can be like, oh, that's terrible. He shouldn't have a platform anymore. But he's going to. Yeah. Because that's the way the world really does work right now. And this isn't like a superhero fantasy. It's No, but it's it still uh, is a company that has shareholders and stuff. And I think if Homelander becomes more vocal and actually slips up and does something... I do think that Vought will step in. They are with Stormfront. They're stepping in to kind of reframe what he's saying and doing in a much more palatable way that appeals to neo-Nazis. But he hasn't said anything publicly. Not yet. Yes. That's what I'm saying. I I don't know if they're really going to go that far. That's what I'm saying. I think they are. I think that's what they're setting up. I hope I'm wrong because I would like a world in television where it's not what's really going on. Yeah. It would be really great. But if they do it, it's like, yeah, that's exactly how this works. Yeah. I get it. And it's terrible and I don't want to watch it on TV because TV is supposed to be not real and fun. Yeah. But I would totally believe it if that's what they do very sad aside from that we had a frenchie some backstory about mallory and lamplighter yeah we've never really had frenchie's backstory right no this is the first time that frenchie and mallory were in a scene together oh yeah he talked about her a lot though i remember oh yeah because obviously yeah um so it's cool seeing what specifically happened with lamplighter and that he's kind of back Mm -hmm. in the mix i'm curious if he's really going to be on their side or what I hope so or else the actor is just annoyingly good mm-hmm. for making me believe him yeah it's he seems evil. remorseful it's kind of evil i think it's a good change of pace from the supers the yeah. soups where someone you know he can draw the line somewhere 
you know, still try to kill her because she's challenging him and that's what he needs to do, but would draw the line at her grandkids at least. Right. Or children in general. Probably. I would hope that that exists within him. Yeah. So, I mean, it does add some depth to that as far as soups go. And, like, there is a sort of, like, morality scale. And mm-hmm. we've already seen that with Starlight. But now we see a yeah. more down-the-middle kind of guy mm-hmm. with Lamplighter. I wouldn't say morality, but I think what they're showing with the Deep is, you know, he is the way he is because of his own personal insecurities and trauma. So there is depth to the soups besides just their soups yeah do you i feel like you did all your backstory and research on scientology just to prepare for (laughs) this is my favorite season yes it's great i was like do you like having the inside look of what it's like to be recruited there's just there's so many phrases and words that are being used that i could totally see being a part of like your first time being audited Mm mm-hmm sharing your truth yeah whatever <laughs> fucking god there are no secrets in scientology between each other just mm. from outsiders the outsiders yeah. yeah there's so much topical shit that they're not even saying in this show mm-hmm. but it's so relevant and so frustrating anyway I tell feel... me your opinions uh i mean it, i enjoy the collective scenes because i know it's just a big satire i like that enya was playing in the background was it yeah or her is enya it's like a it's a woman okay orinoco flow you've heard it okay i didn't know if that was a song or like that's the name of the song (laughs) that was her name it's her song it's when people think of enya that's what comes to your mind yeah probably i'll play it after you'll know uh yeah i'm not doubting you yeah i'm sure i think the deep is your favorite character secretly because anytime he talks, you like burst out laughing. Because he's so pathetic. And you loved the scene where he talked about drowning A train. Because it was just ridiculous. Like, you're literally telling your friend that, hey, I want to fucking kill you, but I'm past that now. We're because better. Because he's found the Church of Scientology. I got over it. I mean, the Church of the Collective. No, my favorite character is Mother's Milk, hands down. He's pretty great. We learned his first name is Marvin, so I'm convinced his last name starts with an M. That's why Butcher calls him M.M. Everyone thinks it's Mother's Milk. That's a weird leap to make. What? I would just say, like, oh, like the candy, M&M's. No, but he says M.M. Because Mother's Milk. I just, I feel like there are plenty of other weird, less weird sounding meanings to that. But anyway, I think my favorite character is Kimiko. I think she's cool. She's bossy. Doesn't talk. I want to talk about the scene in the like mental hospital and what we learned there and how that all progressed. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like we should wrap up talking about how you know they go to the mental hospital to try and. They were just trying to figure out what's going on there because they are trying to find a way to kind of bring down Stormfront. Um, okay i think like yeah, the whole thing is they're trying to bring down vaught and stormfront's yeah. kind of the new face of the seven and you know she's up to some weird shit she told annie she has big plans for her which is really fucking scary sounding so you know any lead they can get because something's up with her she's liberty from the 70s they want to figure that out mm. i don't i think the end game is just find out all the secrets vaught has to try and bring them down and so it leads them to Sage Grove, whatever, hospital. Hmm. 
which is apparently like a Stranger Things-esque hospital where they are creating adult soups. Yeah, they're trying to perfect Compound V so that way they can make successful adult soups. Yeah, rather than when they're a baby. Right, so that way you could instantly have someone powerful Mm -hmm. and things go bad. The soups get released because Lamplighter tries to fight because he recognizes Frenchie. Yeah. Um, And we see a grown-up Eleven, essentially. It was Eleven. Yeah. Yeah. A shaved head, telekinetic girl. Yeah, who was really angry. Yes, and took a back full of bullets and just stood there and took it. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I know that she's going to be like a threat to them, but I would really like if she was a boy. (laughs) She's going to be more of a threat threat to Stormfront, though, because that's the one she knows. She doesn't know who these fucking random people are. She knows who Storm... Yeah, I hope she can discern that because they tried to say, yeah, he's not our friend. You can fucking kill him. But... They were wearing the uniforms. But will she recognize them? I don't know. I really hope that she can... Like, how? when did she start getting Compound V? Does she remember being a human, really? Yeah, because it's not like you lose your memories. I just don't know, like, what kind of torture she's been subjected to. Because it seems like a lot. She's, I think, a guided missile for Vought. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily just to be a pure villain. I think, like, she knows who did this. Yeah. I to... hope she becomes one of the boys. I don't know. If, I don't know if the boys can have two Kamikos. Yeah, it was like Kamiko was hard enough to get kind of controlled. Can't control her. She does whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, but she she's can't... just more of a human. She can't microwave people in two seconds. Yeah, but she could rip your face off. She sure can, but she knows better than to do it. Now she does. That's that's she's what's got different. The little soft boyfriend she talking some sense into her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though she's bossy and doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the telekinetic girl is going to be the the driving force last two episodes, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. She's going to be causing the problems and the boys and or Vought are going to be dealing with it. And they're going to keep yeah. butting heads. Yeah. Either trying to stop her or trying to get control over her. Because she's going to be a very useful asset to either side. I think Vought and friends are going to kill her. Yeah. Just neutralize it, get rid of it. Yeah. Just claim it was another soup terrorist. And I mean, I think objectively right now, Stormfront's the most powerful Seven member. And she couldn't kill her. She tried. When she came barreling in, she like electrocuted her and she was oh. fine. I couldn't figure out who you said she couldn't kill her. Stormfront like, couldn't kill... Telekinetic girl. Cindy, I think is her name. Yes, Cindy. That's right. Um, yeah. I mean, she... Yeah, I'm sure... I think sure. at the very least, someone would have to just rip her head off for yeah. it to work. I think Stormfront just doesn't realize how much power she needs to exert to kill her. She just assumes she did enough. And mm-hmm. I think if she sees her again, she'll know she needs to go all out. So... I feel like Maybe. It, it could go either way. I would like to see the depth of her powers. I think it's hard to do soup fights, especially when you show off how powerful they are. It's because it's like one of them is just going to be too quick and rip the other's head off. Mm-hmm. And that's how every soup fight ends. That's yeah. just, that's how it's going to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did you like the Annie and Butcher bonding scenes or are you just kind of indifferent? And I'm glad it's done with. Yeah. It was a long time coming yes. and then Annie kind of summed it up well where like, she doesn't want his fucking quiet respect. Just don't be an asshole. Yeah. Be someone I can tolerate. Mm-hmm. That's all anyone can ask yeah. for. And she doesn't want to have to compromise her values to get his respect because 
she's not okay with just killing random people. Right. Like he is. And she's not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's whatever. It's fine. I'm glad it's done. Like I said, mm-hmm. like. Yeah. They I needed to do it eventually. Yeah, I couldn't do 10 episodes of them constantly bickering at each other. Just Even though they're good at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Butcher can bicker with anyone. He's he can, such an asshole. He can bicker with the best of them. He's just a little brat. That's really all it is to me. He's such a brat. Yeah. Gets things done. Sometimes. Fuck. Yeah. So Two episodes left. We got it. It's going to be great. Can't wait to finish it. Not that I want to be done, but I want to see how it ends. Yeah. I just remember I really didn't want to watch the show in the first place. But now you love it. It's just too real. So, so different. It's how I felt about superheroes before I got dragged to all the Marvel movies. I just mm-hmm. didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Now you're justified. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're all evil. This is the first time I actually like had an interest in reading like a graphic novel. I'm sure you can buy it yeah but i don't want to spend my money one set that'll do it for us 268 we're all done uh we'll be back next week talking about more boys uh another movie i'm sure there's another movie coming out probably there's probably one coming out chicago 7 no that's later in the month i think it's like the first week of october yeah i mean that's next week um yeah we'll figure it out we'll be back thanks for listening tell your friends tell your dog tell everyone We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.